0: We are joined again by Dr. Cavallero. Doctor, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great today. How are you doing, Mark?
0: Doing very well, thank you. And today we are talking about moral injury. And Dr. Cav, what exactly is moral injury?
1: So moral injury is something that leaves a lasting, debilitating impact. Um, Primarily, this is discussed in veterans. Brett Blitz is the man who did a lot of the preliminary research, and there's this wonderful video on YouTube, you can access that, where he speaks all about it um, at the Navy College. And really, some people describe this as a soul wound, And, and that I think really helps capture how deep moral injury cuts for most individuals. Um, it's really like it suggests, so a moral injury. So really violating somebody's moral and deeply held values. And this can happen in a variety of ways. It, it doesn't just happen in, in one case or another. So the one that is kind of most obvious is an act of commission or an act in which you perpetrate an act that violates your own values. And when we're talking about military personnel and first responders, often the the first example that comes to mind is the act of killing right so this is an active commission but this can also ha- happen as an act of omission in which you fail to respond or you fail to do something um, or you made a mistake in which somebody else is harmed or killed so those are the the basic examples there of moral injury
0: When you're in the the heat of battle and everything's so chaotic, a a lot of times you have to make split-second decisions, and a lot of times you're in catch-22s. Can that also lead to moral injury when a decision has to be made and it's oftentimes the best of all the worst possible decisions?
1: You know, Mark, that's exactly it. That's typically when these situations happen. Soldiers and law enforcement are highly trained individuals, and you train and you prepare for so many different possibilities, and life doesn't always happen that way. So like you're saying, when you're in the heat of the battle, you can't always predict when X variable comes into play, when a child is involved in this situation, or when you're being completely ambushed in a way that you never even prepared for. And even thinking about whether it's the battlefield, or again, law enforcement, the things that you train for, Again, they don't always show up in real life and things are adapting and evolving day to day. And, and one thing I think is really important to highlight that many people don't really think about is there. we created the Geneva Connect Convention which is wonderful and it creates these rules of engagement it, and it's supposed to make warfare more civil if at all possible. But the difference is we have US and European troops Following These rules of engagement and everything related to the Geneva Convention. But when we think about the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the combatants there, they are not, they are not following these rules. And so these sort of things create very unique situations. And, you know, one really terrible but gruesome reality of, of warfare is, you know, being a soldier in one of these foreign countries and they're beheading their own people. And that's not something anything can prepare you for. And, and even if you've thought about this, seeing it in real time is so unbelievably disturbing. And what the research so- shows is that seeing human remains is one of the most distressing pieces of warfare or law enforcement. And again, although you may kind of mentally prepare for this and assume it's part of the job, when people actually come in contact with human remains in, in any of this situation, um, whether you're approaching something, a comrade is uh, you know hurt or killed in action, or you come across an explosive device, and whether it's fellow soldiers or civilians that have been injured, there's really nothing that truly prepares you for that psychological injury.
0: And, and what are some of the symptoms um, that somebody who's struggling with moral injury um, may may have? And, and how can they, they kind of come to realize that moral injury is actually what, what they are struggling with?
1: yeah you know a lot of people don't even realize that they're struggling with moral injury until much later um oftentimes these things are associated with ptsd and then when you start talking about it a little bit more that's when these things come up but here's the problem with that is people don't want to talk about it there is such intense avoidance around moral injury Um, oftentimes the, the hallmark symptoms here are guilt and shame. So guilt in, I did something bad, either, you know, I did this act or I didn't do this act. I failed to respond. You know, I fell asleep and something terrible happened, those sorts of things. And then shame is I'm a bad person. And that's kind of the follow-up when you, when you sit, uh, with these thoughts, these really negative thoughts and memories that keep coming up. You internalize the experience and you let it define you. And that's really where the shame comes. And it changes your whole inner narrative and how you see yourself. So naturally, a part of this is you start to withdraw from your friends, your family. You start isolating yourself. Um, sometimes people will kind of do the opposite, but in a way of avoiding their own thoughts and experiences and, and go into overworking. And that is a way, again, you can kind of distract yourself and avoid these thoughts, memories, images and any sort of triggers that elicit this. So, so the biggest things here are those deep feelings of guilt, shame and even, well, I would say more so disgust. Now, disgust is one of the most unpleasant emotions that people can feel, um, and it happens when something like this, something so egregious
0: comes up as an experience. And I imagine that there's also a bit of rumination as well. They could possibly you know, be playing that situation over and over and over in their heads, and it's a cycle that has to be broken or else it's going to become untenable at some point.
1: Definitely. So these thoughts are often intrusive. People aren't trying to cue them up. Um, And uh, sometimes what happens is because you believe this and it kind of rewrites that whole inner narrative, when good things happen in your life, these negative thoughts then come in and say, no, remember, you're not a good person. You did this horrible thing. You don't deserve good things in life. Um, and that's where this can become so debilitating in people's day-to-day lives.
0: It, it's so fascinating because, you know, as we said before, uh, you're often picking the best of all the worst options because there just is no good option. And it seems like even some of the things like witnessing a beheading or or seeing, um, you know, somebody injured, that's something that you actually had nothing to do with. And yet there's still moral injury uh, associated with that and that's fascinating to me because in some of those cases you weren't the the perpetrator or the culprit by by any stretch of the imagination
1: right and yet there's this sense of personal responsibility this uh, the underlying thought there is i should have done something and sometimes these thoughts aren't accurate so so that is really important too to illustrate that let's say you did do this imagined act, it may not have changed the outcome at all, right? We also see that a lot in trauma. And so people's thoughts and their way of thinking get really, really distorted and and truly there's this false sense of control in a lot of these acts. And another thing that we see in moral injury is also related to leadership, right? So when leadership is giving you a command, which is a legal order, you have to follow it. This is also where moral injury comes in. My commanding officer told me to do this. Now I feel immense guilt, shame, regret over doing this act um, or telling me not to do this, right? So my commanding officer is saying, hey, I need you to go here even though these civilians over here are in danger, in your natural inclination is to, no, I have to go protect these people. And the commander says, no, mission first. You need to get out of here and go to checkpoint B. This is no longer our concern. And so that's where individuals feel like, well, I should have done something different. Um, The outcome could could have changed. Right. And and this is where they really beat themselves up. I should have betrayed my commanding officer, let's say, or I should have done something differently.
0: And before we get to kind of how you can attack and start to deal with moral injury, is there anything else that that we should know about moral injury or we should be aware of? I mean, how can you perhaps spot it in someone else as well as, you know, figuring out that it's something that you're struggling with?
1: Well, the the prevalence is probably much higher than people think. So, about 2.7 million service people who served in Afghanistan and Iraq show that the same amount who were diagnosed with PTSD were also coping with moral injury. So, moral injury kind of sneaks up and it's hiding. Um, And when people start attacking these symptoms of PTSD, oftentimes they find that moral injury is underneath. And again, the difficulty about it is people feel so disgusted and repulsed by their own actions or inaction that they don't want to deal with it. And they are terrified, absolutely terrified to talk about it with other people because they just assume that they will hate me and they'll reject me and they'll think I'm terrible. And this becomes one of the primary barriers to treatment. Even if somebody is being treated, let's say, for PTSD, the thing that is causing the moral injury, they may not talk about in in the therapy session because they're so afraid that this mental health professional won't understand and that they'll judge me. Because we all have our own personal beliefs and biases that come in. It is natural. And we don't know what the other person thinks, especially in the therapy context. And sometimes, uh, you know, soldiers are just afraid that this person won't be able to handle, you know, the the situation that I'm putting in front of them. So what we're looking for is that isolation, the withdrawal, similar with depression, um, excessive alcohol use or substance use, kind of self-harming or reckless behaviors. Uh, moral injury is has a higher uh, correlation with suicide than PTSD does, because again, that whole inner narrative changes and you see yourself as a bad person. And like I mentioned before, again, the the depth of this is seeing this as a soul injury. And not only does it change your kind of view of the world and people, but it changes your view of yourself, others, you feel you can't trust anybody. Oftentimes there's that deep feeling of betrayal, especially if this came from like leadership command or an order that you were following. And it also shakes you to the core in a spiritual sense. Um, now, maybe you didn't have met much of a spirituality prior to, so uh, this may have been a little bit easier shift, or you did and you were very faithful. And then because this happened, it just shakes your whole spiritual identity in in, in trying to wrap your head around, like, how could this have happened? How could you know, my faith have let this happen to me. How are these terrible things uh, ongoing? So then it really calls into question everything that you believe in, And it changes how you see the world and how you interact in the world as a result.
0: And how can people suffering with it get help and, and what can they do to, to begin to take those steps to, to deal with that moral injury?
1: Yeah. So like I was just talking about, because a lot of times this is related to spirituality, it is helpful to talk to somebody um, in an associated faith, a, a religious person, if, if that's something um, consistent with your lifestyle. And if not, um, that is okay. It is very helpful to talk to other people if you feel comfortable doing so. So when you think about soldiers, right, and a barrier to getting help is, This mental health person will think I'm terrible. They uh, may even feel like the mental health person will take some sort of legal uh, action against them because of the acts committed in the time of war. Even though they aren't illegal, they just fear that that might happen. Um, So, of course, talking to people that you feel comfortable with. And it is helpful to get mental health help because you need to work on restructuring this inner narrative, approaching those feelings of guilt and shame. And when we avoid things, if we avoid talking about them, it perpetuates them. So that's why sometimes people will go through some really great treatment for PTSD and the PTSD is treated and resolved, but the moral injury stays. And and PTSD is more related to that fear-based, that life-threatening situation. Um, And the treatment for that really targets chronic uh, hypervigilance and those fear-based emotions uh, in, in people not feeling safe. But this is different from moral injury, where it's more related to your own moral compass feels like it's completely thrown off track. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a really great treatment that kind of works through both, and that's cognitive processing therapy. And pro- cognitive processing therapy, a a primary component of that is targeting these negative thoughts and beliefs you have about yourself. You don't necessarily talk about trauma, even though this is a treatment for PTSD specifically, this can really help with moral injury. Um, There's several other treatments that the VA has also worked on and developed as well as Dr. Brett Litz as well um, to help individuals work through these really difficult and and complicated um, symptoms. And moral injury is not a diagnosable mental health condition. So that's also where it gets a little complicated. So PTSD is in our diagnostic manual of mental disorders, but moral injury is not. And there is some controversy in the field over mental health providers, recognizing it as its own separate entity.
0: Dr. Kath, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention, for explaining what moral injury is, what people who are dealing with it go through and how they can get help. And it'll be fascinating to see how kind of that back and forth in the medical field turns out and whether moral injury will become something that gets its own diagnosis code. Um, So, yeah. Absolutely. And
1: so this will be part one, talking about moral injury and in veterans and also law enforcement individuals. Um, in part two, we'll talk about moral injury in healthcare workers and how this has come up in the pandemic.
0: And just, I was just going to say, you know, on the back of COVID and with, you know, all the threats of, of new pandemics and, and everything else that is happening in the world, um, it's very important to to know this and to understand it. So We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Shortwave's Lasting Impact. If you did, please uh, like us and subscribe uh, wherever you may be uh, watching or listening. And join Dr. Kavan and myself again for part two as we talk about moral injury, this time in healthcare workers. For now, thanks so much and hope you have a wonderful day.